If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. Midi clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Comedy, the podcast that helps you find new, emerging, and undiscovered independent comedy podcasts. I'm Greg, the host and curator of comedy. Today's episode is from Films and Fermentation. Films and Fermentation are three friends who like to talk shit about movies while getting shit-faced. If you like today's episode, make sure to check out the episode description for links to subscribe. All right, let's get this show started. Begin. And we are going to do our <laughs> tournament. Brad Pitt, the bracket. <laughs> we're bringing back the bracket. We're bringing back we're the bringing Brad. back the bracket. I said it right. I'm not that drunk. <laughs> it didn't sound like it on it our end. Sound oh, on our end. Hey everybody, welcome to Films and Fermentation episode 82. That's right, welcome to Films and Fermentation, a movie and alcohol podcast. I'm Leo. I'm Kevin. I'm Mike. We're three friends who like to talk shit about movies while getting shit-faced. In this episode, the team-up is the thing as we look at our favorite ensemble films. This is episode 82, our favorite ensembles. An ensemble film is one where the main cast is composed of top-tier actors all sharing part of the spotlight, meaning that the uh, actors and actresses in the film all get varying amounts of equal screen time uh, so that it's more of a collaborative effort than focusing on one actor or actress. Note this is not a best-of list. We're not doing one of those countdown lists or, or brackets or anything like that. We're picking our personal favorites, or at least some of our favorites. Uh, if you'd like to add to the list for a future shout out on the show, you can drop us an email at filmsoffermentation at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at filmsfermented, or visit linktree.com slash filmsoffermentation to find all of our social media and podcast links. 
As usual, this episode is brought to you by... What are we drinking this evening, gentlemen? Uh, Kevin, you got an interesting-looking drink in front of you, I think, because I see a giant straw in my Yes, <laughs> and you guys know I'm, I'm not one to really think of anything over the top. Or Sometimes I'm just lazy, let's face it. My wife tells me this all the time. I'm lazy from time to time, but I think I'd win if we were doing a, a drink, theme drink. All right? So... Mm-hmm. I have truly the ensemble drink right here. Can you gentlemen kind of guesstimate what it might be? Long Island. It's I Long see. Island. Long Island. I see my ensemble of triple sec, tequila, <laughs> rum, vodka, and gin with a cameo appearance from Coca-Cola. <laughs> And I, this is my uh, this is my wedding drink, guys. This is not my wedding drink, but like this is if I'm going to a wedding and I am not the driver, this is my going to get you know messed up really quick kind of drink. <laughs> so I thought, you know, that is the perfect ensemble. That's all the big clears with a little bit of color. So I was a little heavy-handed, I think, on the vodka this time, but the next one should be better. <laughs> Mike, what do you got going on? I am drinking a beer from my good friend, Kevin. <laughs> the Elysian Night Owl Pumpkin Ale. Nice. Drinking one of the ones that he left behind in your fridge. Yes. <laughs> they were intentionally left behind. It's not like I forgot them. Yes. It's not so bad. I, it's pretty good. I decided as far as theme goes, I was going to do a beer ensemble. <laughs> since, uh, Kevin, you gave... So I'm drinking, also drinking beers from my friend, Kevin. So you gave me the uh, the mystery pack on um, my birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually drank one already the other night, and it was really good. I have to look it up on Untap because I don't remember the full name of it. Um, but I had um, – it was a beer uh, – I've had a beer from this place before, but not this particular one. Okay. So it was um, – now i got to do the sorting. When was the last one I did? Date, new to old. There we go. It was from a, a company called River Horse Brewing Company, mm-hmm. and okay. it was the Triple Horse. It was a Belgian triple, and it was really. And you know how tough I am with my ratings on on Untapped. I gave this one, yeah, uh, four point two five, which is really good for me. <laughs> wow, absolutely! It was, it was a very good beer. So I decided for tonight's ensemble. I grabbed three beers from the mystery pack. All three were very strange beers that I've never had before. And I was going to let you guys choose the first one I'm going to try. Okay. So we have, or this one's not too strange. This is from Founders, which I've had before. And it's their Mm -hmm. porter. But it's called the Rich and Sexy Porter. (laughs) Okay, that's the first one. All right. The second one is from Lord Hobo Brewing Company. (laughs) It's called the Ocho. It is a Mexican-style chocolate stout. Ooh, <laughs> Mexican chocolate. And then it, this is the one that kind of scares me. This is uh, from, uh, oh, what the hell is the name of the brewery? This is, I can't even find the name of the brewery on this place. <laughs> it is from, it's from Cooperstown, New York. It's a product of Belgium, it says, but I can't find the name of the brewery. The beer is called Cherry Choufflé. 
It is a beer with natural flavors colored with vegetable juice. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, um, gentlemen, which one should I experiment with first in my beer? Oh, the cherry souffle. The cher- yeah, <laughs> cherry you souffle. Know, like, the vegetable juice, right? Yeah. Well, that way... If you don't like it, you have two other beers to wash it down with. True. <laughs> and um, both porters and like stouts. I was going to ask you for the ABVs on the three. Do you know? This, this one is a cherry souffle with the vegetable juice, is 8% alcohol by volume. Okay. The founder is rich and sexy, is 6.5, which is kind of low okay. considering it's a dark porter. Mm-hmm. And the Mexican-style chocolate stout called Ocho from Lord Hobo is 7% alcohol by volume. <laughs> so you're going in descending order. Yes, the vegetable one is the strongest one. So here it's a countdown. It's the final countdown. <laughs> it smells <laughs> like V. <vape. laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. It tastes like V8 with cherries in it. <laughs> oh, my God. Excuse me. It tastes like I can make tomato sauce. <laughs> Is All it right. Does it taste thick? It's not a thick beer. It tastes uh, it's, it feel, It tastes kind of like a... Um, I don't know what to say. Like a... Uh, maybe like an ale... Or like a saison or something. It's not a thicker one, but man, that is okay. a, that is a, an interesting uh, palette. <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate, a cherry flavored V eight. He's going for a second one. <laughs> I'll be honest; I might not make it all the way through that bottle. <laughs> I, like, I don't like the waste beer, but geez. That's all right. It's uh, the mystery pack. You can't you, you can't always get a winner, you know. No. Mike, well, I gather myself. Why don't you give us a history <laughs> lesson? <laughs> this day in film history. This day in film history in 1993, actor Roger Moore, James Bond, has his enlarged prostate removed. Wow, that's a lot of like TMI. <laughs> I put, a, I put a crying, laughing emoji at the end of that statement because I couldn't believe that that came up as a distinct. I'm like, was this fact. on Entertainment Tonight in 1993? Roger Moore is having his prostate removed right now. Oh, you'll you'll be uh, you'll be um, surprised to know that the cherry souffle is no longer in production. <laughs> and the, the name the name of the brewery is Brasserie de Chouffe. They're from Belgium. (laughs) Belgium. Uh, We're gonna check it in, and we're gonna give it a um, the order buffet. The order buffet. (laughs) I'm gonna gonna give it a one point (laughs) five. Low because it's not one that I would drink again, but not too too low because it is interesting. Okay. Okay. Cherry, juicy. Says one of the flavor profiles is almond. I'm not getting that. I'm getting. Mm. Uh, tomato sauce. V8. So let's see. Do they have a tomato flavor palette thing here? Let's see. Mike, how many? Uh, yeah, tomato. How ma- here we go. Tomato. <laughs> <laughs> how many? Uh, how many movies was Roger Moore um, 
uh, James Bond in. How many did he star as James Bond in? Jeez. Wasn't it like six or seven, something like that? Really? Yeah. What's that? I think Connery had the most. Okay, Timothy Dalton had the least then, right? Because I'm only picturing him in one or two. Timothy Dalton was in two. Okay. The, the least was, was George Lazenby because he was in one. He was in one. Yeah, he, okay. did one. he was the guy between Moore and, and, and Connery. He was. Um, that's a question. I'm going to look that up. Yep. So, yeah, I put the getting back to uh, Roger Moore's uh, prostate. Like, yeah, I put a laughing face emoji thing there because I'm like, like I know Mike, you looked this up on an actual website, right? This info. Whoopsie. I, I, on the it's website just, I use for all this stuff. It's just funny to me that that's you know that was the major factor. I hear they have it on display at Planet Hollywood over in California. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's at the Mutter Museum on uh, Locust Street. Uh, it looks like there was seven. Roger Moore was in seven feature films, it says. Yeah. Okay. Who played the most James Bond movie? Roger Moore and Sean Connery were each in seven films. Okay. Daniel Craig did five. Pierce Brosnan did four. Timothy Dalton did two. George Lazenby was one. And then they actually have David Niven down here in one as well because he did the original Casino Royale, which I don't think often gets included in the Bond films. No. Poor George Laserbeam. <laughs> What's uh, your other fact you got for us there, Mike? In 1998, Shakespeare in Love, directed by John Madden and starring Gwyneth Paltrow and Joseph Fiennes, premieres in New York. Best Picture winner in 1999. It beat out Saving Private Ryan. He did this in between doing this stuff for Madden 98 and Madden yeah. 2000, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> This was after uh, Pat Summerall <laughs> retired. He didn't have anything going on. Uh, I got a is... great idea for a movie, guys. <laughs> it's Shakespeare. He's got a govern. Boom! There's a play. You got Romeo. You got Juliet. There's a knife. There's poison. They're dead. Boom! That guy goes home. <laughs> John Madden for Shakespeare in love. Hi! <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. Oh my god! <laughs> this was uh, an infamous best picture winner, though, because it beat Saving Private Ryan, which was yeah. pretty much the hands down. You know, people thought was going to be the winner because it won every other prize, won the Golden Globe, Screen Actors Guild, all that stuff. And I know you liked Shakespeare in Love. You also like Saving Private Ryan. Which uh, Which would you have voted for between the two for best picture? Uh, Saving Private Ryan. Okay. I like Shakespeare in Love. It's a fun film. It's not historically accurate <laughs> at all. No. It's a fun film. It's, it's got some really good comedic moments. Um, I enjoy uh, the production of Romeo and Juliet at the end. But Saving Private Ryan is a fucking masterpiece. True. Saving, Saving Private Ryan is is damn near a perfect film and probably one of Tom Hanks's best performances. Mm-hmm. And I actually just rewatched it recently, and I'm like, yeah, this should never have lost Best Picture to Shakespeare. <laughs> Part of it was, um, uh, this is back, Harvey uh, Weinstein was in charge of Shakespeare in Love production, and uh, he had did a lot of like <laughs> lobbying around Hollywood uh, about the inaccuracies of Saving Private Ryan and why it shouldn't win Best Picture because of it. In the meantime, he's producing a movie about 
Shakespeare, where Shakespeare is actually a good-looking guy. <laughs> it wasn't? I mean, if you look at the portraits, he usually looks more like Paul Giamatti than Joe Fiennes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I do like the movie, but no, it's never a one. What's your fun drink fact for this evening, Mike? I'm going to talk to you guys about Kugel's Oktoberfest. Uh, from Jacob Lindenkugel's Brewing Company, Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. I don't know if I should keep drinking this, concern. I haven't eaten anything yet. <laughs> I can I add a, a fun drink fact that I uh, saw on TikTok, so it must be true. <laughs> somebody, uh, somebody said if you take a Corona Premier mm -hmm. and you mix a little uh, amaretto in the Corona Premier uh, and then drink it, it should taste like uh, Dr Pepper. Now, I don't have any Corona Premier, and I'm almost certain I don't have any Amaretto, but I think that would be an experiment I think that needs to be done, conducted live during one of our podcasts. I'd be willing to try it. It has okay. to be better than Cherry Chouffet <laughs> with natural vegetable juice, which when you drink on an empty stomach, makes you feel like you're going to shit yourself. So I'm, I'm retiring this drink. <laughs> Number seven, I, sir. I think I'm going to move on to uh, Ocho Mexican style chocolate stout. There you go. Because <laughs> I'm curious. ESPN to know what Ocho. ESPN <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. What's your drink fact for this evening? <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about this uh, red bronze in a glass with white, wispy white mustache of foam. This old Wisconsin Brewers version of the classic German Fest beer is malty, nutty, and faintly sweet in the bouquet. They roast nut. Quality increases on the palate without too much toasted flavor from the Munich malt. The malt has a very authentic depth to it, perhaps without the intensity of some traditional Bavarian versions, but also without any heaviness or thickness. This one point five point one ABV fest remains clean and malty, but infinitely drinkable as fest beers were or intended. Pleasantly, there is no caramel malt character here, which is often erroneously used in American versions of this style. Linen Kugel's Oktoberfest. Hmm. Um, I don't know how to describe this one. <laughs> oh, God. It's looking worse. I'm not sure if, if my taste buds are are damaged from the cherry souffle, <laughs> um, but the Hocho one is an odd flavor. Uh, it is a full-bodied Mexican chocolate stout, uh, reminiscent of hot chocolate, but well-bounced with a pinch of spice. It has a combination of lactose and dark malts. Oh, God, he's in trouble. That provides the beer with a rich hot chocolate-like taste that is topped off with the Mexican hot chocolate-inspired flavors of cayenne, pepper, and cinnamon. That's what I'm tasting. <laughs> Leaves a taste that lingers long after you swallow. <laughs> Fucking A. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't see this on YouTube, you need to see Leo's faces through this. Watch oh my God. YouTube sure to keep you Jesus warm Christ. as you head into colder weather months. I, I, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Is it keeping you worse. warm in these cold winter months? 
I'll tell you what, it's keeping me something. Oh, God. Uh, you know, Lee, I'll say this for you. Oh, for today's Stout Day. Since uh, Kevin <laughs> gave you these Stout Day 2022. Here's your drink back for you. <laughs> hey, Go hey ahead, Lee, since, since Kevin gave you these beers, mm-hmm. I'll do this for you. Okay. You corn beef drinking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I would have rather had the corn beef beer at this point. <laughs> oh, you guys right. both like that one too. You I did. I it, actually like, did like it. You're like I never okay, tasted it. You Are drank you kidding it. me? No. Were you guys you there? We were at Leo's house. No. Oh, I could have sworn I brought one and I asked you and Leo and Leo tried it. I could Leo did. It, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. I never got to try it. Better than this one. Um, <laughs> next time I have hot chocolate, I don't think I'm going to put any cinnamon and cayenne pepper. In it. <laughs> Whew, it's not as bad as the cherry one. But it looks close by your face. It's, it's difficult to get through. I think I'm just totally fucked in the taste buds right now. For mm. the two I just drank. Like I'm looking forward to the rich and sexy, but I'm afraid it's not going to taste good because I've already ruined my taste buds. Or maybe right. you have a buffer in between, you know? Yeah, like a glass of water. Yeah, glass you know of milk. I'm, you know what I'm going to eat with this? You know, since it is a Mexican-style beer with cayenne pepper? I'm going to have, a couple, I'm gonna have oh. a couple hot tamales with it to see if it helps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just put more cinnamon in your system. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to burn my asshole when I shit later. <laughs> so notes from last show, Lee. Yeah, can somebody do that for me? I'm doing yeah. sure. <laughs> oh, I can't read the synopsis on Glip. Yeah, we can't I'm, do that. Hold on, I got it. <laughs> but we can thank Wayne G for uh, po- Recast Pod. Yes, for Wayne, us. thank you for showing up. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, I was th- I was thinking Wayne too. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks, Wayne, for uh, for popping in and. Uh, Going over the recast with the uh, Monster Movie Classics, the Universal Monster Movie Classics. We uh, enjoyed your input. You, uh, you and I saw eye to eye on Frank uh, on Frankenstein's monster, and uh, you know it was it was good. It was good fun, Wayne. And uh, you know we hope to have you on the show again. And uh, apparently, there's a fun hypothetical. <laughs> so, our fun hypothetical. I got it. I know what it is. Oh. Okay, go for it. Go for it. Right there. There, there it was. I gave it to you. That wasn't a hypothetical. That was a quite literally a literal. Not oh, a nice okay. host in the show, is it? <laughs> <laughs> not when oh. these notes are so vague. We <laughs> have nothing to read from. I'm sorry. I don't put enough work into the fucking Peanuts notes. are neither pea nor nut. Discuss. Hypothetical. <laughs> So our glib synopsis from last week's episode, the recasting of the Universal Movie Monsters, goes like this. The participants talk about scripts for the show, social media for votes, synopsis of the werewolf, length of Dracula, casting of monsters, roles of the invisible man, (laughs) and Coke is not a sponsor. We said that once. <laughs> we really nailed that episode, I think, in that good synopsis. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, as Kevin and Mike already said, Wing G of Recaster 2.0 Podcast. Thank you for joining us last week for our uh, recasted episode. It was uh, it was a really fun episode. 
Uh, we got a lot of really cool feedback on it on uh, on uh, Good Pods and Spotify and uh, Twitter and all the other places that you can find us. Uh, so yeah, thanks again. And uh, that being said, I should give you guys a little recap of Good Pods and where we're at right now. Thank you very that much. Was, uh, a really good episode and a fairly popular episode. So we ended up with. Uh, the 60th most popular episode of the week out of the top 100 episodes on Good Pod. Okay. And of the top 100 shows, we were number uh, 65 on the indie list and 73 on the regular list of the top 100 shows. Of okay. the all TV and film podcast list, we were number 13 on both the indie and regular list. And on the Film Review Podcast Good Pods list, we were number eight on the regular list of the top 100 film review podcasts and number seven on the Indie Film Review Podcast. Single digits. Single digits. We were number six a couple weeks ago. That's the highest so far. So I'm really hoping we can either at least get back to six, if not, finally get to that one spot at some point. Mm. A lot of fun. I'm happy being in the top ten. Yeah. So our fun hypothetical is this. Um, I was listening to radio this morning. Uh, they were talking about uh, the Phillies game and they oh, were talking God. about uh, the walk-up songs and how fun some of the walk-up songs are and how, you know, how fitting they are for certain players and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought it'd be a fun hypothetical to uh, hear what each of you would have as a walk-up song if you were a professional baseball player. So if you were walking to the plate, what song would be playing in the background? Ooh, I already know mine because I've had time to think about it. <laughs> well, <that's> it. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I have mine. Hold on. Nope, that's not it. That's a commercial. Hold on. I can't skip through the commercial. I am going to play the. <laughs> <laughs> I can't make out what it is. It's not really coming through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's the name of the song? Oh, Baby Elephant Walk. Uh, <laughs> that baby no, that, I, I thought that would be a funny one. No, uh, I was thinking Thunder uh, uh, Thunderstruck by uh, ACDC. Okay. That's I like cool that one. song. Mm-hmm. I decided mine was going to be Sabotage from the Beastie Boys. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I also thought oh. of uh, Why Can't We Be Friends by Casey and the Sunshine Band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think mine would have to be The Devil Went Down to Georgia. The Devil Went Down to Georgia? Mm. I got another one, though. I mean, between Thunderstruck and either Bulls on Parade by Rage Against the Machine mm-hmm. or um, Closer by Nine Inch Nails. Imagine you're you're walking up the home plate and all of a sudden you hear in the stadium real loud, I want to fuck you like an animal. You get me closer to God. (laughs) Oh, so the founders, Rich and Sexy, is my savior this evening. Uh, Because it is a dark, rich porter that actually tastes good. Oh, good. I don't know if I was going to make it through the rest of the show with the, the stuff I just drank. Oh. So we have some shout-outs this evening. As I said, oh, my God, excuse me. 
I am suffering from my first two drinks. Bye, Adrian. Uh, we have a lot of shout outs to make because a lot of people showed us some uh, support this week and helped us get ourselves up on those rankings and good pods. Plus, had a lot of nice things to say about the show, that it was a fun episode. They learned a lot. A couple people said it prompted them to go back and listen to the, the Werewolf by Night episode, which also prompted them to watch the show. Good. Watch the movie. So, you know, it's. it's uh, You're welcome, Disney. Yes, it's a lot of respect. You needed our help. Yes, Disney, not an official sponsor. <laughs> So my shout outs go to first and foremost uh Wing from Recast the 2.0 again for coming on the episode and helping us out. Uh Wrestling World with Austin Boyer, because Austin's always giving us shout outs on his show. The Manic Pixie Weirdo Podcast, Bar Banter Podcast, 8750 with Yeti F. Space Castle Pod, who created our show logo. The Fandalorians. We have some new uh podcasts on our shout out list this week. The Paranorm Girl Podcast, All Hallows Eve. Today we laughed and learned. Visit Vegas Places Podcast, The Amusement Films Podcast, Two Wizards Podcast, Fan in the Van, uh, an old friend who hasn't had a shout out in a while at Gen TCM, Midnight Horror TV Podcast, The Geeky Dad Podcast, Stop Thinking With Your Butt Podcast, which is an awesome podcast name. And DJ Scoob at the Undiscovered Entrepreneur Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for your support this week. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus <laughs> a little bit <laughs> oh by the way gentlemen i have moved yeah. on to another kevin beer nice which one's that? the great pumpkin Imperial pumpkin ale. That's a good one. Nice. That, that is good. That was very good. Yeah. I'm slowly working through the Long Island. I'm about halfway done. I'm 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 almost on this porter already. <laughs> wow. It was it was a good palate cleanser for the <laughs> other two I drank. So our main segment this evening is our picks for best ensemble films. So as I said earlier in the show, this is not a best of list. This is not one of our bracket shows. This is each of us picked five films that we enjoy watching 
that are all ensemble films. And I actually cheated on mine. Because <laughs> for one of them, I picked a trilogy. And for the other one, I picked every film that a person, a particular person has made. <laughs> so I figured we can go uh, back and forth with uh, our lists. Each one of us talk mm-hmm. about one, go to the next one. And then at the end, I thought maybe we can like kind of vote on, of our 15 picks here, which one is the best ensemble film. Okay. In our opinion. Okay. So I picked first the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Now that is a cheat. You know, I picked uh, the trilogy, but uh, my reasoning for it is all three films were filmed at the same time. Or not so much at the same time, but they were filmed concurrently in New Zealand uh, and released separately, but all filmed as one, which is a very odd thing for uh, movies. You know, studios don't usually do that, put out the money to have the sequels filmed before the first film even comes out and mm-hmm. to see if it's a success or not. But it is an ensemble film. Uh, you have Ian McClellan as uh, Gandalf. We have uh, uh, Elijah Wood as Frodo Baggins, Egan Holm as Bilbo Baggins, uh, Samwise Gamgee played by uh, uh, Sean Astin. You have uh, Viggo Mortensen as Aragorn. Uh, you have uh, who was Legolas, uh, Orlando Bloom. Uh, you have Liv Tyler. You have uh, Hugo Weaving. I mean, you can just you can keep going mm-hmm. on with this. Even uh, Gimli. Is a, is a fairly well-known actor whose name is escaping me at this point. Um, but he actually plays two roles in the film because he is Gimli and he's also the voice of Treebeard. Uh, hold on, Lord of the Rings. Isn't it uh, Ray, it's, not it's, Ray Fiennes. Um, uh, John something. Or John Rice. <laughs> yeah, John, he's got three names. Yeah, John Rice. um John Rise and Fall. Yeah, the guy from Indiana Jones. John the guy Rise from Indiana Jones, yeah. We also have Andy Serkis as Gollum. <laughs> you have Christopher Lee as, as Saruman. Mm-hmm. Uh, my God, there's so many people. Kate Blanchett as Gladriel. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going through Dominic Moynihan as Mary. Uh, <laughs> God, John Reese davies that's his name, as Gimli. I mean, it's just, it's such a, a massive cast. Yeah. You forgot Boromir. Boromir, played by Sean Bean. <laughs> Sean Bean. Sean Bean. We did a whole podcast on him. Come on. We yeah, can't we did a whole that. podcast. We can do a whole podcast just on the Lord of the Rings, man. Yeah. We did it. If we did, we like, if we did a minute by he minute. He died pod- in the field. Yeah. If we did a minute by minute podcast, it would be a 13 hour podcast. Wow. <laughs> Gentlemen, you gotta wonder. You gotta wonder. Do certain actors is a certain at a certain point before they accept movie roles? And I'm, uh, Ian McKellen is coming to mind with this. Does he? Does he try to find out what other actors are in the in the movie? Like, does he feel I have enough? I'm I'm having oh. enough uh, of an ensemble cast that I don't need to carry this all on my shoulders, or am I the big name on this? This is on me. This is going to be like. My starring role. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I can't recall lately, and I'll be honest, I haven't even looked it up, uh, of anything where it's him as the star with a bunch of, like, not B actors, but, like, lesser-known actors. You know, I think the last movie that comes to mind of him like that might have been um, Apt Student. Apt Pupil, rather. You know? Where he was the star. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, it was, it was essentially that's, you think of that movie, he's the name you think of. Mm-hmm. I think it's, um, some of it's probably that, like, who else is acting in a film, but also you have to think mm-hmm. this is like, at this point in Ian McCullum's career, he was probably at his most famous because mm-hmm. he's doing the Lord of the Rings, he's doing the X Men films, mm-hmm. you know, and then he, he has enough clout now that he's able to produce and direct the Richard III film that he starred in. Right. Uh, because he's had he has all this success with these other films, so I mean, like he might even have a say in who else you know gets to be playing in the movie as well. You know, you never know. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, it's a good question because also you got to think like uh, Viggo Mortensen originally wasn't Aragorn; it was um, it was uh, Stuart Town. Don't say it. Oh, okay. Stuart I thought it was going to be somebody else. In the uh, the Queen of the Damned film, mm-hmm. uh, and then he left because he didn't think he was right for the part. They brought in Viggo Mortensen, and he obviously fit the part because you know can't imagine anybody else at Aragorn at this point. No, um, I feel like Lord of the Rings is one of those things we talked about so much. I don't know what else we can say about it, but it is technically an ensemble film. And right. I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of like when you asked that question, that made me think of The Godfather. So, like, The Godfather is technically an ensemble film as well when you look at who stars in it. And the fact that mm-hmm. even though Brando won the Oscar for Best Actor, he actually had the same amount of screen time as Al Pacino, mm-hmm. uh, who was the nominated for Supporting Actor. And there were uh, some casts and director uh, suggestions from the studio that Marlon Brando turned down. They originally were going to hire a different director to do it other than Francis Ford Coppola. And when they told Marlon Brando who they were going to hire as the director, he said, well, if you're hiring him, I'm walking off the project. Oh, wow. And it's one of the reasons wow. they ended up going with Coppola is because Brando approved of him. So, I mean, yeah, I think when you get to a certain point in your career, you probably do have enough clout to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, Mike, what's the first one on your list? First one on my list is the 1960 version of The Magnificent Seven. You didn't want to go with the one with Denzel Washington and Chris Pratt? <laughs> Nah, I'm going to go with the one with Yul Brenner, Steve McQueen, Charles Bronson, um, James Corbin, Walter Vaughn. Va- for, for a 1960 Jeez. cast, man, that's a fucking cast. It is. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. So that is, it's one of my dad's favorite films. I know that. He, he loves that movie. So it's The Magnificent yeah. Seven. Yeah, I mean, it's not much different than the the one that's the one with Pratt, but mm-hmm. it's a little bit different. But still, going down to the to Mexico and saving a a village. I thought those were the three amigos. <laughs> I think which is also an ensemble, ensemble cast. It's also an ensemble <laughs> cast. I think the three amigos is kind of like a spoof of the Magnificent Seven. Mm. So yeah, you had Yul Brenner, Steve McQueen, Charlie Bronson, Eli Wallach, uh, Robert Vaughn, James Coburn. I mean that's a that's like a who's who Brad of the 1950s and 60s act, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, actors, man. It won. Uh, I think it won an Oscar for something or another. It might have been nominated at least. Um, nominated for one Oscar. Uh, the nominated for, for best, best music. music. It does have like or... one of those like iconic theme songs to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it actually led to a uh, sequel, The Magnificent Seven Returns. <laughs> well, like three or four sequels. Yeah, I think there was one like the. I think it was there was Magnificent Seven Returns, and I think there was one called like uh, the Magnificent Seven Ride Again or something like that. Rides again, yes. I think Yul like Brenner was the only one who really returned for most of them. <laughs> oh, Yul! It's also uh, a movie that is. It's actually a remake. Um, 
It's based on a Japanese film by Akira Kurosawa called The Seven Samurai. Right. Uh, which was, you know, the original version of this film. Uh, also, um, uh, uh, you know, if you're somebody who can handle subtitles, I, I would I would suggest you watch any Akira Kurosawa film. They're usually pretty magnificent. He is listed as one of the uh, screenplay writers for the screenplay. Well, because it's, oh. it's based on his material. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like it's like screenplay from an adapted source or something like that. Mm hmm. Uh, Kev, what's the first one on your list? I'd love the first one here. <laughs> it's The Expendables, the 2010 action-packed uh, superhero uh, movie with all of our favorite 80s actors, Sly Stallone, uh, Dolph Lundgren. Um, hold on. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Terry Crews, Mickey Rourke. Bruce yeah. Willis. Jet Li. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now you all the eighties and nineties super uh, uh, action stars. You can go by extension. You can you can throw in the Expendables two and Expendables three in there too because they just kept adding to the cast with each one. Yeah. <laughs> you had, well, you had uh, then you had uh, Wesley Snipes in one of them. Antonio Banderas. Yeah. You had, you had um, uh, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis in, in a couple. You had Chuck Norris in the second one. You had uh, Harrison Ford made Harrison an appearance. Ford, uh, Kelsey Grammer of all people. Uh, <laughs> all these just different actors getting together. What was basically a a, I feel like it was like an homage to the '80s action films, where you had mm -hmm. like these giant muscle bound guys who can't get hurt. <laughs> you and I have never laughed so oh hard during an action movie. <laughs> I was gonna say you don't get hurt in these films unless you're Liam Hemsworth. Then you get a fucking spear in the heart in the first five minutes of the second film <laughs> by Jean Claude Van Damme of all people. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Kevin and I went to see the first Expendables together, and we were the only two people laughing in the theater. <laughs> like, we were hysterical laughing with every oh. kill, with every death, with every, like, when Terry Crews comes out with that gun that's just, like, blowing people into pieces, we were like, this is the funniest shit ever. When Jet Li kicks that guy in the head and cracks his neck in half, we're... When they're dropping C four every three <laughs> inches, and they have this un un you know uh, uh, exhausted pack of C four that they're going every three inches. There's another pack of C four around this entire compound. I I love it. Like the whole goal of that film is these Bendables are trying to to save this island from this like you know dictator. So their way yeah. of saving the island is basically blowing the whole fucking <laughs> island off. <laughs> Course. They would later. Sense. They would later steal that plot from Man of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> he saves the world by destroying half of it. <laughs> I also like the unnecessary subplot with Jason Statham and his cheating ex-wife, Charisma Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And then the second and third film were just as funny. The the best part of the second film is when Chuck Norris tells his own Chuck Norris joke. <laughs> <laughs> the Expendables. If you're looking for a lighthearted fair that you don't have to think a lot about <laughs> while you're watching it, we forgot to mention that the Expendable, the first Expendables, also has Stone Cold Steve Austin in it. <laughs> oh, I forgot. I forgot he, he was, was the hench henchman to the main villain, played by Eric Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's like a who's who, man. That that fucking movie. It's hilarious. So we go from a movie like The Expendables <laughs> to the second one on my list, 
Glen Gary, Glen Ross. You're going to keep it all fucking classy. Yeah, I, I had to be all classy. <laughs> this is a, a film that if you want to be an actor, watch this movie because you're getting a master class in what it means to be an actor when you watch this film. It stars Al Pacino, Ed Harris, Alec Baldwin, uh, Kevin Spacey, Jack Lemmon, and Alan Arkin. It is a phenomenal piece. It's based on a stage play by the same name. And it's about these down on their luck, you know, real estate, real, basically real estate con men trying to sell these like, you know, shitty properties to like older people and, and just, you know, scrape by to get a living. And it's just a lot of interaction in the office, what it's like to live their lives. But just, just the fact that man, it's this like ensemble of amazing actors, all, all giving it 110%. And then the scene with Alec Baldwin, which is just a 10-minute cameo scene for him, wasn't in the stage play. It was written specifically for the movie. But I can't imagine a movie without that scene. It's it's a phenomenal scene. Great dialogue. You know, very well-rounded characters. Uh, uh, I can't say enough about this movie. It's 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 a, a, a film from the 90s that, that I wish had more of an audience. It did lead to a Best uh, Supporting Actor Oscar nomination for Al Pacino, who subsequently also won that year for Best Actor for Scent of a Woman. <laughs> mm. Mm. But I actually think he deserved the Oscar more for this film than he did for Scent of a Woman. I don't know why I thought this was an 80s movie, not 92. It feels it's like an 80s right movie. Mm -hmm. It feels like an 80s movie because it's, it's... Well, I think the play was written in the 80s, written and performed. Okay. And so, like, it, it feels like an 80s movie, even though it came out in the mm -hmm. 90s. I think it was also early in the 90s, too. So it was, like, that kind of weird... It's 92, thing. yeah. And, like, weird transition period between, like, the late 80s, early 90s, where you, it's hard to tell what decade you're watching a movie in. Right, right. But it's 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 a great film. And it basically takes place in two locations. You know, it's their office and the Chinese mm -hmm. restaurant across the street that they all hang out at. Like, that's <laughs> the only two locations. It's It's such a great movie. What's up, Bob? Bob? Say hi, everybody. <laughs> and we're back. We're back. Took a mini break so I can give my wife a kiss and get another beer. <laughs> so we are on the second one on Mike's list. When I saw you put this one on your list, I was like, "You motherfucker! You took one. You took one that I should have had on my list." Well, I told you the weekend before. I know, I and I, I should have thought of it myself. And the 1967 The Dirty Dozen, starring Lee Marvin, Ernest Borgnine, Charles Bronson, Jim Brown, Telly Savalas, Donald Sutherland, Robert Ryan, um, George Kennedy, and the character actor Richard Jekyll. <laughs> You're missing an important character there too, the one who plays. Um, uh, what the hell was the character? I can't remember the character's name. I'm trying to remember the actor's name now too. <clears throat> he actually went on to become a director himself. Uh, Dirty doesn't. John Cassavetes. John Cassavetes, yeah. So John Cassavetes went on to be a, a director himself. He plays Franco in the film. Uh, yes. He was nominated for three actor, three Oscars as a as a. Uh, he has an Oscar nomination as director, an Oscar nomination as a writer, and an Oscar nomination for supporting actor for The Dirty Dozen. 
Like that's <clears> that's pretty impressive to be nominated in three separate it? categories like that. One of Lee Marvin's best films. Uh, early, uh-huh. early, early movie for Charlie Bronson. Uh, um, one of Jim Brown's first movies. Won, won the Oscar for Best Effects and Sound Effects? Yes, one for Best Sound Effects, which is a weird Oscar for it to win. <laughs> yes. Uh, it should it should have been up for Best Picture, but I don't think it had a chance of winning. Probably not. And this was the basis for... Oh, no, wait, that was a great escape. Never mind. Well, it's a, yeah, I mean, it's great escape is... Um, Another, it's another classic film. That's also another like ensemble piece, and that was the basis mm-hmm. for Hogan's Heroes. That's where I was going with that. But I feel like in the 1960s, a lot of the war movies were all much of ensemble casts. You have a lot mm-hmm. of them in the 60s. Is, uh, you have the Green Berets with John Wayne. You have Dirty Dozen. You got uh, the one. I you think it was mentioned. easier then because the studios actually contracted the actors. So it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's also a time where you had a lot of like you know those uh, studly men too, like Lee Marvin. <laughs> mm-hmm. You also had Von Ryan's Express with Frank Sinatra in the sixties. So, I mean, there was a lot of a lot of like war films. It was also because mm-hmm. you also had Vietnam going on. So I think it was a mm-hmm. lot of it was like these World War II films that were meant to kind of like you know boost the mor- boost, boost the, the morale, uh, support the for the support. soldiers. Yeah. yeah, I love the Dirty Dozen. One of my favorite films. Great movie. I always talked about how it was the film my dad and I were watching the morning of my wedding. <laughs> what you didn't know, this was a trivia fact I just read, was that Lee Marvin's was pregnant at the time. <laughs> so it was actually the dirty baker's dozen. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lee Marvin, one of the most testosterone-fueled actors in the history of Hollywood. <laughs> actually, in the trivia on... Uh, he was expecting. <laughs> IMDB, it says Lee Marvin referred to this movie as crap and the just a dumb moneymaker. <laughs> <laughs> probably one of his most popular films <laughs> I always love I think of that here's another ensemble film for you uh, uh, Reservoir Dogs um, mm. it's oh, yeah. film. You got Harvey Keitel Steve Buscemi and all those guys but there's a great scene in mm-hmm. it where uh, Harvey Keitel is just about to fight Michael Madsen's character Mr. Blonde they're both mm-hmm. into a big row and then like, they kind of stop and kind of laugh at it and Michael Madsen points it at that Harvey Keitel and he goes, I bet you're a big Lee Marvin fan. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey Keitel goes, this fucking guy. <laughs> oh, great, man. Great pick. So, Kevin, your second one's a great pick as well. Yeah. Um, mine is The Departed um, with Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholson, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, um, I believe Alec Baldwin Alec has a Baldwin's part in this as well. as well. Ray Winstone, Anthony Anderson, mm-hmm. Vera uh, Farmiga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is and the, this, the movie that finally won Scorsese an Oscar. Yeah, and this was a nice. Uh, this was a uh, New England mob movie, <laughs> Irish mob. You know, Irish mob movie. It's got some great quotable Set lines in, in it too. I love my one of my favorite lines in the film is uh, when you meet Frank Costello for the first time, the uh, the Jack Nicholson character, and he's on the beach with Ray with uh, uh, Ray Winstone, and he just shoots this woman mm-hmm. in the head, and she hits the ground, and he goes, "She fell funny," <laughs> and Ray Winstone looks at him and he goes, 
you need to talk to somebody. You know that. <laughs> he doesn't. Get, I don't think he gets enough credit for the film Ray Winstone as as Mister. Right now, because he's, he's just a goon. You know, he's got the great scene where uh, <laughs> DiCaprio is drinking the cranberry juice at the bar, and the guy goes, "What's the matter? You got your period?" And he beats the shit out of the guy. And Ray Winstone goes. Only I get to kick people's asses around here. Who the hell are you to kick people's asses? He goes, what were you drinking anyway? He goes, cranberry juice. And he goes, what's the matter? You got your period? <laughs> like, like testing them out. But they have to ask him too many questions. Do you have anyone in with Stella presently? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg is awesome in that film. because he's Basically, Mark Wahlberg. He's playing, playing Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Uh, he's got a great line where uh, uh, DiCaprio says something to Martin Sheen, and Martin Sheen goes, "Who said that?" And he goes, uh, "Henry Thoreau." Henry Thoreau. And Mark and Wahlberg goes, Mark Wahlberg goes what's, "What's the matter? You don't know about Shakespeare? Shakespeare? I'm the guy doing my job. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> he must be the other guy." <laughs> Why is the last patient of the day always the hardest? Because you're tired and you don't give a shit. It's not supernatural. <laughs> I like the scene where DiCaprio goes to, to to Nicholson's home to meet him and like interview mm-hmm. with him. And he's talking to him and he's holding it, he's holding the the, the 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 dismembered hand as he's talking to him and he's like pointing at him with the dismembered hand. <laughs> Uh, he is he's a he's a sick man in that movie, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Great film. Uh, my next one on the list is Ocean's Eleven, and you can by extension say Ocean's Twelve and Thirteen as well. Mm-hmm. We all knew you were going to put it. This is the this is the movie that made you want to do this. Yeah. This this is, what about Ocean's Eight? Ocean's Eight. Have you mm-hmm. seen Ocean's Eight? No. Not great. No. <laughs> That's another ensemble cast, but none of us all. And I hate to say it's not great because it's a lot of great actresses in the film, but mm-hmm. it just didn't have the same. I don't know, like Je ne sais quoi. Yeah, it didn't have the same energy as Ocean's Eleven. Uh, and you mm-hmm. know, it's a shame because I like Sandra Bullock, I like uh, Kate Blanchett. Um, I even don't mind Aquafina too much, but it just wasn't the same kind of film as Ocean's Eleven. So Ocean's Eleven. Uh, of course, starred mainly George Clooney and Brad Pitt, but you also had Matt Damon, Julia Roberts, uh, Bernie Mac, uh, Elliot Gould, Casey Affleck, Scott Kahn, uh, who else was in it? Uh, Carl Reiner. Um, uh, what was his Don name? Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Thank you. I couldn't remember his name. Um, I mean, it's 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 a hell of an ensemble case, and everybody mm-hmm. has. A unique character. They have their unique talents. I love the little the little uh, Chinese guy that's like the acrobat guy. Where the fuck you been? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, good news. So, uh, I am... Yes, sir. So, yeah, Ocean's 11, nice. 12, and 13. Uh, 12 was not a great film. I think it was like the most boring of the three. Ocean's 13 was, was kind of fun because it kind of went back to Ocean's 11 a little bit. Uh, Mike, you have an interesting one on number three there. Yeah, but just before I go to number three, we should all be ashamed of ourselves. Why is that? I am. Every day, man. I wake up and that's my first thought. None of us put Ghostbusters down. <laughs> 
Well, here's the reason why I didn't put Ghostbusters down was because it was they were just getting into. I mean, uh, 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 Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd kind of had an established, you know, mm-hmm. but I would have said those were the only two at the time. I mean, Sorry, yes, Harold Ramis. Uh, Harold Ramis had you know some movies, but I wouldn't say it was like big, big. He was Ernie the- Hudson had nothing. Sigourney Weaver still coming into her own. Rick Moranis, yeah. Okay. I, I, I would have said, I said if you want to say anybody else had a big name in that film, it was probably Sigourney Weaver because she was coming off of the Alien film. Alien. Um, and Rick Moranis had some television. Yeah, some television. Not, not, he was notoriety. supposed to be John Candy in that role, so he was kind of a, a backup to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, Ernie Hudson was not a well known actor. Annie Cox mm-hmm. was not a well known actor at the time. It um, would have been if they could have gotten Eddie Murphy like they wanted yeah. to for. Um, Winston. Winston. Harold Ramis was also like split in time between acting and directing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'm would writing, also say, yeah. like, yeah, it's if you look back on it now, now I would say it's an ensemble cast because everybody's so yeah. well known now. Yeah. But back then, I would have said no because if you really watch it, Bill Murray has the most screen time in that film. Mm. True. It's not a, an even amount of screen time like you would typically get in an ensemble film. Although it's, you know. Nowadays, I would say yes, it's probably an ensemble film, but if you're basing it back on 1984. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, but what is your favorite yeah. on your mic? So, talking about the 80s, 1988 classic, Young Guns. That is West a good one. That, that is definitely an ensemble. <laughs> Eva Sutherland, mm-hmm. Lou Diamond Phillips, Jack Palance, Terrence Stamp, Terrio mm-hmm. Quinn, Emilio Estevez, Emilio Estevez, Estevez Patrick Wayne. <laughs> Dermot Mulroney. John Wayne, Son, Patrick Wayne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great film. And then you have, you know, the, the two that are just pretty much... Cameron perfect. from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He was in the second one. Oh, he was in he the was second in one. one. My, bad, my bad, He played, um... 
Oh my I don't gosh, remember the stop. character's name he played, but he was in the second one. Frank right? something or uh, Henry. I don't remember. I don't know. He, he wanted a name. He was the, that was the yeah, thing. He, he wanted, wanted like a, a name. name. Yeah, he was the second yeah. one. Yeah. Second one starred William Peterson from CSI as Pat Garrett, who was yes, right. who was the uh, yeah. friend of Billy the also, Kid. <laughs> also had a Viggo Mortensen in it. It did as well. Yeah. Yeah. Not as great a film as the He's first like, one, though. I think the first one was a better film. It was. But the second one wasn't terrible. No, but Mm-mm. the first one was the one, you know, if you want to watch a good one, watch the first one. Great exactly. shootout scene at the end. Um, mm-hmm. Charlie Sheen's only in it for like 20 minutes. <laughs> Think about it, he gets killed very early in the film. <laughs> he does. Uh, it's it's really an Emilio Estevez vehicle when you think he's Billy the Kid, so he's like the guy you want to see on film, right? Right. Um, but when but you, you see all of them, well, I'm gonna say like all, when, of the gang. When you break it down, though, like Kiefer Sutherland gets a lot of time in that film as well. He does. Yeah. No, like I haven't watched Young Guns in a long time. I gotta I gotta pull that up at some point and watch that again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's a bit of trivia for you. It, uh, the film, uh, the song uh, "Blaze of Glory" by John Bon Jovi. Won the a, second movie won an Oscar. But I was going to say yes, but it was for the second movie. Kev, <laughs> <laughs> uh, your third one is one that I'm so angry at myself for not putting this on my list. I well, look, I, I mean, this, this is an '80s ensemble. This is the you know one of the ultimate '80s ensembles. Um, you have Tim Curry. Oh, I'm sorry. I should probably say it's Clue. Yes. It's the board game brought to life, an underrated movie. Um, it's funny as hell. If you pay attention, it's hysterical. Um, it's based off of the game uh, where, you know, it's a whodunit. As to, I mean, there are, there are people dying throughout it, and it's got Tim Curry. It's got Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKean. Ellen Brennan, uh, I'm sorry, Eileen Brennan, um, Martin Mull, uh, Leslie Ann Warren. Man, I had I had the hots for Leslie Ann Warren. I always thought uh, for the longest back time. Back in the 80s. For the longest time, I thought it was, um, uh, what's your face? Uh, oh, my God. Um, these fucking beers have messed me up so bad tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Bernadette Peters? Susan Sarandon. Oh, you know, like no, Liz- I could see Warren, that. Yeah, they yeah, have yeah. Very similar appearances. Um, they, they do. do. They have very similar, uh, very similar look. But man, I thought Leslie Ann Warren was hot. I was more about um, Colleen Camp as a vet. <laughs> oh, well, that's true. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Madeline Kahn at the time was pretty, uh, was pretty uh, attractive too, you know? No, she always was. Like, I just watched Blazing yeah. Saddles recently again, and I forgot, like, mm-hmm. how awesome she was. Flame. 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 <laughs> I'm going to go home and face. make love to my wife. <laughs> I'm a plant. A red they call guys like you a fruit. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like actually like probably one of the best examples of ensemble because not one person in this film is really like a superstar. No. Right. Yeah. So like Madeline Kahn has always been like a character actress in a lot of the Mel Brooks films. Uh, Tim Curry is known for playing all these like quirky roles anyway. Uh, Christopher mm-hmm. Lloyd is still two years away from doing Back to the Future. Uh, so at this point, he's pretty much known for Taxi. Yeah, for Taxi. Um, 
Eileen Brenneman was a, a, a TV actress who very rarely did film. Same with Martin Ball. He was a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, the other guy, uh, the one that plays Mr. Green, was on Laverne and Shirley. Michael McKean. <laughs> yeah, so mm-hmm. like, he was Squiggy. No, he wasn't he was, Squiggy. Uh, he was, he was uh, uh, Lenny. Lenny. So it was kind of like, this mm-hmm. is like a, a perfect example of an ensemble cast because you have mm-hmm. all these actors who share equal screen time, but none of them are like superstar actors. Yeah. And it's such a, uh, a smartly comedic film. Mm-hmm. And here's a piece of trivia for you on it. Um, in the game clue, in the board game, no two characters can be in the hallways at the same time. The characters have, oh, really? have to be in individual rooms. You can only have like, one character in the hallway. So whenever you see the characters in the movie in the hallway together, there's always at least two characters running into each other. <laughs> <laughs> because they, you know, you're not supposed to be there. Uh, the third, uh, fourth one on my list is Pulp Fiction. So I'd mentioned Reservoir Dogs earlier. I actually was tossing it up here for Quentin Tarantino films. Um, mm-hmm. I could have did Pulp Fiction. I could have did Reservoir Dogs. I could have did Inglorious Bastards. Um, I could have did Django Unchained because it feels like a lot of his films are ensemble films. Right. But I felt like Pulp Fiction, you know, even though Reservoir Dogs is his first film, Pulp Fiction is the one that made him who he is. You know, it was his his first successful film. He won the Oscar for Best Screenplay for it. He was nominated for Best Actor. It was the return of John Travolta to the A-list. You had Sam L. Jackson in his first major role. Uma Thurman, Ving Rhames, Bruce Willis, uh, Eric Stoltz, uh, mm-hmm. Susanna Arquette. Um, Steve Buscemi has a cameo role in it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Brian Dennehy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of those films, man. It made, made a lot of names for a lot of people. Another wholly quotable film, especially my favorite scene starring the amazing Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole watch speech. Excuse me. Which I won't get into it again. I've imitated that speech many times on this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mike, what is your uh, fourth one? Mine is the 1992. My favorite six degrees of separate uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon movie, <laughs> A Few Good Men. It's an awesome movie for playing six degrees of mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> we got Tom. It's Cruise. an awesome movie. Awesome Just movie. an awesome yeah. movie. Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson, Kevin Bacon, Debbie Moore, Kiefer Sutherland, Kevin Pollack, uh, J.T. Walsh, uh, Noah Wiley, Cuba Gooden Jr., um, Matt Craven. I mean, it's I, I forget lot. that Noah Wiley has a brief, yeah, <laughs> brief season. Be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead, Mike. I mean, this is this loaded with stars all over the place, chock full of stars. Yeah. Also has one of the greatest monologues in movie history. Yeah. I want truth. You can't handle the truth. You want me on that yeah, wall? That you wall. need you me, on, me on, that on that wall. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. <laughs> Amazing. This is a nice You may not like what I do, but you don't get to criticize the way that I do it. You sleep under the blanket of freedom I provide and question how I provide it. <laughs> Did you order the code red? You're goddamn right I did. <laughs> I love what you, you gotta watch. Um look at you can find it on YouTube. Kevin Pollack, who is in the movie, uh yeah. does a great Jack Nicholson impression. 
and he does this um, impression of Jack Nicholson on the set of A Few Good Men and how uh, Rob Reiner would, would, you know, say action and he would immediately get in character and be like, I, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. And he goes, then he would yell, cut. And all of a sudden, he was like the drunk, like crazy Jack Nicholson that everybody knows. <laughs> and he'd be sitting on like the stand, like looking around, like he didn't know where he was, and be like, "Robbie, how was that scene?" <laughs> and then immediately yell action. All of a sudden, he was back at it again. I remember this being like a, a stacked year for like for the Oscars. Yeah. Man. I'm gonna rip the eyes out of your head and piss on your dead skull. You fuck with a wrong marine. He's got a great line where he's like, "There's nothing like a blowjob from a superior officer." Except now that I'm a colonel, I'm gonna have to wait for some broad to become president. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I mean, I love Iron Sorkin movies to begin oh, yeah, with, yeah. and this was just another quality, you know, story from Iron Sorkin. So here's the, here's the here. Oh my god, man, this is this is crazy. So the year for this movie came out, 1993 Oscars, Gene Hackman wins Best Supporting Actor for Unforgiven. Great movie, another great mm-hmm. performance. But Jack Nicholson mm-hmm. was nominated that year for A Few Good Men. Al Pacino was nominated that year for Glengarry Glen Ross. Jay Davidson nominated that year for The Crying Game. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of actors mm-hmm. in that category. And I'm trying to think, like, by movie here, let's see, uh, Best picture was Unforgiven one for best picture. Also that year was The Crying mm-hmm. Game, A Few Good Men, Howard's End, Scent of a Woman. That's it. That's, that's a stacked year for movies, man. I think the right movie won. Unforgiven is, a, is an amazing film. Um, but A Few Good Men, I think, was you know a very, very tight runner-up that year. Yeah. It you, was uh, your fourth film there, Kev? Um, X-Men, the 2000 version of X-Men, which was, uh, oops, sorry about that. That was uh, Hugh Jackman's breakout role. And I would say that's fair to say it was his breakout role, oh, yeah. right? I think that was supposed to go to, why can't I think of his name, the Scottish actor? Um, I'm going to look it up now. Some. It's uh, Douglas. Uh, I can't think of his name. I know. Who, anyway, uh, but you got Patrick Stewart. You know, uh, our favorite uh, Captain Jean Luc Picard. Ian McKellen uh, reintroducing us to Famke Jansen. It had James Marsden. Halle Berry was pretty big at the time. Anna Paquin was equally big at the time. Um, Rebecca remained Stamos at the time. <laughs> You know, I keep knocking over the rum. I'm just going to have to drink the rest of the bottle. Um, and then you had the introduction of others, James Marsden, uh, Tyler Maine, who I believe was a wrestler prior to the movie. He was. He was a professional wrestler. Okay. And uh, Ray Park, the actor everybody sees but nobody knows, you know. Ray Park playing uh, Toad. Uh, but his notoriety was also Snake Eyes in the G.I. Joe movies, as well as our favorite Seth, Darth Maul. Here, I got them for you, Kev. The actor, um, the actor whose name you're trying to think of that was almost cast as Wolverine is Dugray Scott. Douglas Scott. Dugray. Dugray. What's his name? Dugray Scott. Dugray. Dugray Scott. He was, uh, I was the saying Douglas, but Dugray. That's right. So he was almost cast as, well, listen to this list. He was almost cast as Wolverine. 
but other actors that the studios had in mm-hmm. mind. Ready? Mel Gibson. No, I don't mm. think that's a good fit at all. No, Gary, no, Gary, no, no, Gary, no. Gary Sinise. What? Gary Sinise, great, great actor. I don't think he fits the role. Uh, Johnny Depp, Lieutenant Dan, you got claws. Johnny Depp, Keanu Reeves, uh, Thomas Jane, who would later go on to play the Punisher, Edward Norton, mm-hmm. Vigo Mortensen. I think I could see Vigo no. Mortensen in a role, maybe. I could maybe see Vigo Mortensen. Uh, Jean Claude Van Damme, Aaron Eckhart, Mr. Prime, maybe. Uh, Russell Crowe. <laughs> And this is my favorite. He might have pulled it this off is my too, favorite, my favorite one. The, the original actor who was who was named for the role was Bob Hoskins. <laughs> like that is not a lie. Bob Hoskins was like early in the wow. early in the development of the film. He was named for it, but this was back when they were talking like early eighties making an X Men film. Oh, okay. But that's not the weirdest one. The weirdest one was uh, for a while the studio was... Rowan Atkinson. No, no, the studio was looking at Glenn Danzig, <laughs> who was the former lead singer of the Misfits punk band. <laughs> hmm. Yes, that's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. But as we were talking about the pre-show, uh, the X-Men, the original X-Men film, is a good example of ensemble because at the time you're talking about a bunch of actors who were not real well-known and who all had equal screen time, basically. And it's not until, like, the later films where Wolverine kind of becomes the main character. Mm-hmm. I think they did... No, the first one was more, was more about Anna Paquin. Yeah, I think they did themselves a service hiring somebody lesser known to play Wolverine. Yeah. Because they need to yeah. go in with any no, expectations, and you didn't go in looking at, like, oh, I know who that actor is, too. So it's more like... Hugh Jackman was the uh, Luke Skywalker of, uh, you know, yeah, X Men. That's you know, he's Mark Hamill, fresh face. Not, not to, not to get too far off topic. That's always been a weakness, I think, of George Lucas is he likes to hire unknowns. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not always a good thing. <laughs> not always. Uh, the last one on my list is definitely a cheat. I put down as some of my favorite ensemble films, every Wes Anderson film ever made. <laughs> but they are. They are. They are ensemble. Because well, he's one of those directors that yeah. has his, like, you know, he has his stable. He, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, has his, he has his crew, and then he has his add-ons to his crew, you know. So you got, he always has Owen Wilson. You always have Owen Wilson. You always have Bill Murray. Uh, Kate Blanchett's mm-hmm. one of his regulars. Ed Norton's one of his regulars. Um, yeah. Uh, Jason, Jason Schwartzman. Schwartzman's in every one of his films. Um, mm-hmm. He gets uh, uh, Tilda Swinton a lot in his movies. Um, yep. Uh, Willem Dafoe is in a lot of his films. Jeff Goldblum's in a lot of his films. Adrian Brody. He's in a lot of his mm-hmm. movies. So it's like, yeah, he has he has his selection of actors. And you know he is—he's an acquired taste, Wes Anderson. I know he's not for everybody, but I really enjoy his films. Uh, Mike, your second one, your last one on your list uh, is another one I debated on as well, and I also debated on this and another film. Well, I was debating all of them, and I went with this one because it does have the most, yeah, actors in exactly. it. Exactly, mm-hmm. it's Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. It's you got you got. Uh, Downey, Evans, uh, mm-hmm. Buffalo, Helmsworth, 
Johansson, Runner, Cheadle, Rudd, Krug, Cumberbatch, <laughs> uh, Bozeman, Larson. <laughs> uh, we started around. Uh, Evangeline uh, Lily. Lily. Uh, Renee Russo. Um, Renee, Renee Russo. Russo. Yeah, she was Thor's. She's Thor's oh, mom. Right. Yeah, Thor's mom. Right. Oh, that's right. I forgot about oh, her. Shit. Elizabeth Olsen, <laughs> Anthony Mackie, Sebastian Stan, Tom Hiddleston. Wow. Um, Brian Dennehy. There's so many people in the freaking Dave room. Batista, like, John Favreau, <laughs> Haley Atwell, yeah. Atwell, Nellie Portman, um, Angela Bassett, Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer, William Hurt. Dustin Diamond. He played the Screech. Um, <laughs> Paltrow, Robert Redford, <laughs> Josh Brolin, Chris Pratt, well, Samuel L. Jackson. One of the last movies for William Hurt, playing General yeah. Ross. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. so yeah. I don't know you're talking voice acting. No, yeah. I know, like Bradley Cooper. You have um, uh, Vin Diesel as the voice of Groot. Vin Diesel. You have, uh, uh, I'm sure there's plenty I've skipped over. Sean Gunn as Craglin, <laughs> but he's also the body double for Rocket the Raccoon. Um, yeah, yep. I mean it's 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 crazy. Like, I agree with you. Like I I thought like the, uh, I thought the original Avengers TV. film it was an ensemble a, a little bit as an ensemble and an Infinity mm -hmm. War. Um, but Endgame, it's an amazing as an ensemble because Infinity War and Endgame are both amazing as ensembles because they find something for every character to do. Exactly. Like there's no wasted storyline. There, there's mm. no, there's no Last Jedi casino planet. Tell us what's the you know. Till the, till the, the ancient one, is the yeah. ancient one, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I keep finding more. Oh, you can go on and on, man. There's so many people in this film. That's a that's a great choice. Oh, Zoe, uh, Zoe, uh, son, so did, Gamora. Oh, uh, um, Zoe, Zoe Saldana. Saldana. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tessa you. Thompson as Valkyrie. You got mm -hmm. uh, Brie Larson as as Captain Marvel. You, you know, Josh Brolin yeah, as Thanos. You got like you know, you can go on and on, man. That's a good one. Benedict Wong. Benedict Wong. Wongers. <laughs> but surprisingly, no Nick Fury. No Nick Fury. He's there. In Endgame? Yes. I think. Are you sure? He's, he's listed he on IMDB. Uh, he's listed. I'm 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 replaying the movie in my head, and he's well since gone. Uh oh, except for the funeral scene. The funeral scene is where we see mm -hmm. Nick Fury. Yeah. You're right. He is in there. You got to remember oh, the funeral scene because it also has the kid from Iron Man 2 in it. That's true. <laughs> uh, and Kevin's last one. Um, and I also thought of one more after this, but I mean, we can discuss this in a quick little how you doing? Um, less miserable. Less miserable. I'm sorry. Les miserables. Les miserables. Blah, 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 blah. Um, this, I'm going back with the Hugh Jackman. I got a Hugh Jackman that I want to talk to you guys about. Uh, but this is an all-star cast. It's got Hugh Jackman, Russell Crowe. Um, it's got Anne Hathaway, Amanda Siegfried, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, Helena Bonham Carter, Eddie Redmayne, 
Brian Dennehy, Aaron <laughs> Trevitt, Samantha Barks. Brian Dennehy is I mean, dead for like 20 years at the point of all these movies that you're sticking them in. <laughs> I miss Brian Dennehy. <laughs> he was in that great ensemble film, guy. Tommy Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Cocoon. Talk about an ensemble cast. Lame as a Rob's a great film. One of the, I think it's one yeah. of the better musical adaptations. Yeah. Uh, Oscar for Anne. Hathaway. You mean Cats didn't do it oh, for man, you? Cats didn't do it. The minute they told me they were taking out the CGI assholes, I was like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Lame as it up is an amazing film. Great film. Great. I mean, Anne Hathaway's performance alone is worth the, the price of admission. Yeah. You know, yeah. About a 15 yeah. minute roll, but you know. It's also one of my favorite plays to begin with, so it's easy for me to like the film. Mm -hmm. Anything else to say, gentlemen? Kevin, were you going to throw grown-ups in there, too? So, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, that's an ensemble. That's an ensemble. Okay. You got no, Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, <laughs> Kevin James. Chris Rock, Kevin Jeffy David James. Speed. Mike started walking away from the computer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I was going to go with like Stand By Me <laughs> or Lost Boys. Lost Boys is a great one. <laughs> no, but thinking about it, I, mean, I was thinking Spider Man No Way Home. Mm. If you're talking about a culmination of all the Spider Men, the Spider Man movies, you couldn't get a bigger ensemble than that, yeah. you know? Even though it does focus on Tom Holland, his universe initially, you know, but to bring in Willem Dafoe, to bring in. Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire and um, that one, you know. That's a good one. Mike, do you have any beer wisdom for us this evening? I do. Imagine life without beer. Now slap yourself and never do it again. I can imagine life without <laughs> beer if the only choice was cherry souffle. <laughs> uh so revisiting drinks um i enjoyed the rich sexy porter from founders i washed it all down with an unter dog from yards because i knew i was going to like that one i wouldn't recommend the hocho from lord hobo brewing and you don't have to worry about the cherry souffle because they don't make it anymore <laughs> Thank God. That should not end up in any more beer no. baskets. Kev, how are you doing with your uh, Long Island iced tea there? Uh, it is since gone. Um, I don't think I should do another. I still have work tomorrow. <laughs> uh, it's been a while. And I think my well, the only thing I'd say is uh, I made it in a rush. And um, my jigger had a two-ounce side and a four-ounce side. And what I needed was three ounces <laughs> of each. So my vodka was a little heavy. And I'm not a huge vodka fan. But uh, all in all, I, I think I made myself a pretty good one. Going back to my bartending days and recalling that, you know, I was making it. And my wife said, oh, you just need a little bit of Coke. I said, you also need to top it with, like, some OJ or some sour mix. She goes, what? <laughs> I said, it's got to have a slightly lemon taste, you know, slightly oh, yeah. citrusy or just some taste. Lemon juice. Or, lemon juice. or just some lemon juice, right. And uh, I put a little orange in. She goes, I never... Never seen that done before. I said, well, look, it changed the color. It's more of an iced tea-ish color, a light brown, and it's got that hint of citrus hey, to it. Listen, goes, woman, okay. I was a bartender. <laughs> Pretty much. That's exactly how I speak to my wife. Listen, woman. Yes, and, dear. Uh, Mike. And then she smacked <laughs> down. Yeah. Pretty much. Mike, how are your beers? Yes, dear. 
Uh, both my beers were, were wonderful. I, I I highly recommend it. Okay. Back on. Thanks for joining us tonight for episode 82, where we talked about our favorite ensemble films. Remember, if you have an ensemble film of your own that you would like to hear us talk about, let us know in our email, filmsandfermentation at gmail.com, or visit linktree.com slash filmsandfermentation to find all of our social media and podcast links. We'll give you a shout out on the next show. In the meantime, we hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as we enjoyed recording it for you. Don't forget to stop by the crossroads between pickled and fermented next week as we present episode 83. In this episode, we're bringing back the bracket. And we are going to do our <laughs> tournament. The bracket. Yeah, the bracket. <laughs> we're bringing back the bracket. We're bringing back we're the bringing bracket. Back the bracket. <laughs> I said it right. I'm not that drunk. <laughs> it didn't sound like it on our end. On on our end. <laughs> next week on episode 83 of Films and Fermentation, <laughs> we are bringing back the bracket that's right <laughs> bringing back the bracket on films and fermentation <laughs> after dark um so join us next week for episode 83 of the bracket episode this this time around the bracket is going to include the best movie duos like jay and silent bob <laughs> mm, tango and tango cash, and cash. Turner and Lady Hooch. in the Tramp. So are we are, are we doing are we doing fictional or real actors? What? What? Take They're all cast. fictional. I was talking about the characters that the actors are playing. So like the duos within the film. Hmm. You know what I mean? So were you thinking like Abbott and like Costello? Abbott and Costello I mean, yeah. I mean, technically they're playing real fictionalized duo. versions of themselves. So. But they're, they're a known duo. Oh, my God. Let me make the bracket up, and then you can criticize me afterwards. <laughs> I didn't ask you which way we're going. I just figured... Where is Brad Pitt fit in with all this? I'm glad we figured this out before I introduced it at the end of the episode. <laughs> um, Kate, what, They'll still tune in. They'll what, still what listen. This is comedic genius. Katie said uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito in Twins. <laughs> well, there's more one movie, you know. So yeah. Oh, Katie said I gotta I gotta rewrite. I'm bringing sexy back to I'm bringing the bracket back. I'm bringing bracket back. back. You what? know, because you don't you you have all this yeah, free I time. Do. I have a lot of it. Uh, so episode 83 <laughs> will be the bracket episode for best film duos. We'll be deciding later on what kind of fucking duos we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> In the meantime, I'm Leo. I'm Kevin. I'm Mike. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Thanks again for listening to Comedy by Indie Drop-In Network.
If you would like to nominate a comedy podcast to be featured, just send me a tweet at Indie Drop-In. I'd also love to hear if one of our featured podcasts is now your favorite show. Indie Drop-In survives off ad revenue and listener donations. If you would like to contribute, please consider buying me a coffee. Just go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Indie Drop-In. If you look at the very bottom of the episode description, you will see a link. Indie Drop-In has many other shows that you also might like. Just go to IndieDropIn.com. All right, we'll see you next week.